Well, we are continuing our series here called Peculiar People, and I've introed each of the messages talking about lots of the habits that we all have that are just a little peculiar, a little bit weird or strange. And today I'm going to tell you about one of mine. Um, So my bedroom is really bright in the morning, and I know you can get blackout shades, but I kind of feel like it'd be a little vampire-y in there in the mornings. It's like some sun coming in is nice, you know. I know you can get masks and put them over your face, but at this point in my life, I've just resorted to like a t-shirt. And so every night, I put a t-shirt on my nightstand, and I go ahead and just, you know, whenever the sun comes up, I'll just put it over my face. And without realizing this, recently my wife has started taking pictures of me doing this. So I'm going to show you a couple of them. So here's one of me. And uh, here's another one she took recently. So some really awesome stuff. Now the reason I'm showing you this is because I know if I don't, she will the next time that she talks. And I feel it's better that you hear it from me, right? And we do some weird stuff. We do some peculiar stuff in life. And in First Peter 2 in the King James Version... It says this, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, and a peculiar people. And so I think so often we've looked at that verse and kind of this idea is that we're supposed to be weird as followers of Jesus. We're supposed to be annoying. Uh, we're supposed to stand out in these strange ways. But I love that the NIV translates, it, translates this. And I just want to remind you what a translation is. It doesn't mean that like the people who translated the New International Version of the Bible went back to the King James and translated it from the King James. They all go back to the original languages and just translate it into a way that we would understand for our modern language. And so these guys went back to the Greek and Hebrew and they translated the scriptures and they just changed the last phrase. It doesn't say peculiar people anymore. I think it gives us a better understanding. And so it says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I love that. That's where this series comes from. We are supposed to stand out, but not annoyingly or weirdly. No, we we stand out and we live a different way because we are God's special possession. Pastor Ravone told me after the service last week that one way to say it is that we're God's treasured treasure. Like that's where this comes out of, you know? And so I don't want us to walk out of here thinking we're just supposed to be peculiar. No, we're supposed to be a little bit off I mean, I'm not say it that way. We're supposed to be a little different than everyone around us and the culture around us because we're God's treasured treasure, because we're God's special possession. So everybody say this. I want you guys to say this. Not, you guys were a little lame last week. 9.30 had you. The 7 even had you last week. Come on. I need you guys with me on this. Here's what I need you to say. Peculiar people means that you and I are God's special possession. All right, well done. You guys took it today. Good job. So we are living a different way, acting a different way, because that's our identity. That's who God says that we are. And so while the whole world is doing it their way, they're living according to what they might feel is right or wrong, their own standards, we're living a different way just because of who we are. We're God's kids, right? And you know, a lot of 1 Peter talks about this theme of living a certain way because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we're not going to get this perfectly, right? We're going to struggle. There's times we're going to fall short. But at the end of the day, we are aiming at living a different way because of what Jesus has done for us. But there are some traps we can fall into, right? And we've talked about a few of those traps over the last few weeks. The first trap that we can fall into that keeps us from living like God's treasured treasure, his special possession, is called small compromise. 
And we looked at Solomon. And we saw that small compromise leads to big destruction. That we start out with a small compromise and we get away with it maybe, we think. And then it leads to another layer of compromise. And again, it kind of feels like, you know, we're still on talking terms with God and all of life didn't fall apart. Next thing we know, though, it leads to more compromise, which as we saw in Solomon's life, led to big destruction. And so I pray in the last two weeks, we've just been keeping our eyes out for those small little compromises in our lives. Then last week, we kind of tackled a really big theme. I can't believe any of you came back because I know I offended everybody, but I'm so glad you decided to come back. But we talked about the fact that in our day and age, it's so easy to get offended at God. It's so easy to get offended at his word. It's very countercultural what the word of God says right now. And it's really easy to say, okay, well, I'm going to choose this part of scripture, but I don't really like that part. Or it's easy to twist what God said, or it's easy to just get offended and give up. But I pray that we'd be like Peter, right? When Jesus offended a bunch of people and his followers kind of gave up, he looked at the disciples and the disciples gave this great answer back to Peter specifically. As Jesus said, are you guys going to leave too? Peter said what? He said, where else are we going to go? You hold the words of life. And so we learned last week that we don't just get over our offense, we trade it for something better, right? We trade it for the life that Jesus offers. Now today, we're going to talk about a specific area of our life that I really believe we've got to stand out in as God's special possession. It has to do with this area of our body right here, this thing called our mouth, uh, more specifically our tongue, right? This gets us in all kinds of trouble, doesn't it? The Greek word for it is stoma. Everybody say stoma. Now, of course, the proper classic translation for stoma is pie hole. So, no, I made that part up. So, but <laughs> But this little area of our body, man, it gets us in trouble. Just ask all the husbands here on Father's Day. They'll tell you that this little stoma gets us in trouble a good bit, doesn't it? But we put way too little emphasis on our mouths. Here's what I want you to think about. What is the quickest and easiest way for someone to get a read on you? It's, it's the things that you say, right? People get to know you a little bit, and then they see the things you do. That's really important. And of course, we've talked about that a lot here at church as well. But, you know, sort of the most um, pervasive and widespread way people get to know who you are and what you're about are the words that come out of your mouth. And so really, the easiest and quickest way that you and I have an opportunity to stand out in is by the words that come out of our mouth. And I have to kind of make a a modern-day extension of this because it's not just our mouths anymore. Our fingers have become an extension of our mouths, haven't they, on things called social media And so now we're not just saying things, we're also typing things. And so this extension of our our mouth and, and our mouth specifically can be used in ways that honors God and that people just look at us and they're like, wow, I don't know what to make of this person because they live so differently. That's a peculiar person right now because because they're building people up and they're encouraging and they're blessing. And they're careful about what they say about somebody else. And, and men, when somebody else is like ripping people apart, you know, we should stop the conversation. And, and when you know, we're kind of making some inappropriate jokes, like they never seem to be a part of it. And it's just incredible how they use their stoma in a completely different way. It's really easy to stand out in our day and age just by the way we talk and by the way we use our fingers to talk these days. But it's also kind of, unfortunately, the opposite is true, right? That the easiest way to kind of just blend in is, is just to, you know, say filthy things and, and curse people out and kind of just jump, jump in on the gossip and divide some people away from somebody else. And, and today we're going to talk about 
all these things, and, and we're going to discover today something so important, because here's what happens. You come to church, you watch online, and you feel guilty, right? Because as I'm talking, hey, we are all imperfect, and we've all had stuff come out of our mouths that we regret. And so now what happens normally in church is we go, well, then I'm going to change, right? I'm done with this. I'm going to stop doing this, that, or the other. I'm going to be really careful how I use my mouth. That only works for so long, right? We've all been there. We've all tried. Maybe we get an accountability partner, and that's great. Go for it. Memorize some scripture that maybe lines up with that. Great, powerful, do it. But there's something deeper that's got to change than just deciding we're going to be more careful with the words that come out of our mouths. And we're going to learn how to do that today. There's a reason why hate comes out of your mouth. It's not just, it's not a mouth problem. There's actually a whole different thing going on, okay? There's a reason filthy language comes out of your mouth. There's a reason perverse joking comes out of your mouth. I'm not just saying this all about you. There's, there's a reason we can struggle with this, right? And it has a lot to do with something Jesus had to say. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at James and Titus, and then we're going to learn something so powerful about Jesus and something he had to say about why this stuff comes out of our mouths. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to learn a lot today about Jesus, what he's done for you. You're going to see really, really, really clearly what it is that Christians believe and why we've put our trust in him and, and think he's worth following. And so we're going to start in James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus. Try living in that shadow, right? <laughs> Can't you be more like your brother? He's God, ma, right? Like, now, the interesting thing is he didn't believe that Jesus was God until he rose back from the dead, Right? And so, I mean, what are you going to say at that point? He's still going to say he's not God, like he was in a grave and now he's alive, okay? So you're going to go with what he says. And in James chapter 3, verse 3, we see some really powerful things about the stoma, the mouth. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And so he says, when you put a bit in the mouth, it can steer this entire animal. In verse 4, read up on the screens with me or in your Bible. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go, right? So huge ship, tiny little rudder, turns the whole ship. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So like the small rudder on the big ship, the small tongue makes great waves, so to speak, right, in our lives. goes on. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. It only takes a spark. Right? A little Clark, Clark Griswold singing for you there. Right? To get the whole fire rolling. Verse 6. The tongue also is a fire. This is a powerful verse. If you're here today, you're like, really? We're spending a whole Sunday on this? Let's talk about what this verse says. Let's talk about the power that this verse attributes to the tongue. I don't know of another scripture that gives a part of our body as much power as what we're reading right here. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. I don't know of another part of, of the scriptures that talks about another part of our body that corrupts our whole body, okay? Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself, itself set on fire Hell. So our small tongue creates a lot of issues. Now everybody look at me in the eyes here. I have to tell you something because this just told us that our tongues can be inspired by hell. I want to tell you something. The devil knows how powerful your tongue is. Okay? Say this with me. The devil knows how powerful my tongue is. And he is out to inspire that. He is out 
to go ahead and, and start a whole mess in our lives with the power of our tongue. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. And if you have a pet, you understand this. You can tame or train an animal. My kids have trained our dog Chewy so that whenever he's about to get a treat, they say sit and he sits. They say fist bump. And they put out their hand to get a fist bump and he gives a little fist bump, right? And it's, it's really quite cute. I wish we could get, you know, the inside accidents under control, but at least we've got the fist bump going. So that's a wonderful thing. So we understand that we can train or tame, right? But look what James says. This is incredible. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I kind of wish James would tell us how he actually feels about this topic, you know? Like, did you just hear what that said? No human being can tame the tongue. So I guess we just give up. Like, message today is a little pointless, right? Unless we stop and we say it again. No human can tame the tongue. No human can tame the tongue. So maybe James is hinting at the fact that we need somebody more than human to help us tame our tongue, right? Thank God we have a supernatural God in our lives who's promised to help us. But more about that in a minute. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. So here at 1130, we're just living in the dream. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Right? And then at 1246, the guy cuts us off on Hoffman. And you bleeping bleep of a, right? Like, isn't that crazy? What happened to what a beautiful name? Right? He says, okay, so same mouth. We're praising the Lord and then we're cursing. And, and, and this is powerful. Listen, he says that we're cursing human beings who've been made in God's likeness. So we're not just cursing human beings, we're cursing human beings made in God's likeness. So just think about that with me for a minute. If I made a statue and I made it in my likeness, and so it looked like me, right? So clearly bald and very jacked, right? And I made this, and you walked into my house and you were like, that is the ugliest, most grotesque thing I've ever seen in my life, right? Well, A, you're insulting not the, the creation. You're, you're insulting me as the creator, and it looks like me, right? Man, God has made us in his image. There are things about us that are like him. And so now we're really taking a shot at God, aren't we, when we're cursing another person. Verse 10, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Now, best I can understand this, the idea of praising in verse 10 is different than the idea of praising in verse 9. In verse 9, we're praising God and then unfortunately we're cursing man. In this verse, the translation, the Greek experts help us understand, it probably really means blessing a person. It's defined like this, by which persons call down God's grace upon other persons. And so James in this part of the verse is saying, we bless somebody or encourage them or lift them up or call down God's grace on them, and then we shift gears and we start cursing them or somebody else out. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. We are God's special possession. We're his treasured treasure. We're not okay with this, right? We're not okay with this. We're not okay with it coming out of one side of our mouth one minute and the other side of our mouth the next, right? Now, are we going to get this perfectly? No, I said that before. We're going to struggle. 
We've all said things we wish we didn't say. We've all had to go to God and, and confess that, right? Maybe to a, the person that we hurt and confess that and ask forgiveness. But we're not okay with it. We're aiming at something higher, right? Because either we stand out with our speech or we blend in. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Then neither should blessing or cursing come from the same mouth. Verse 12, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Then neither should blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water, right? It should be as impossible for you and I to produce uh, cursing in, in, in one sentence and and praising in the next, as it is for fresh water to come from spring. And so James is pretty intense here, right? He tells us how dangerous it is to use our mouths in a way that dishonors God. And he hints at the fact, or alludes to the fact, that we cannot control this on our own. That maybe we need some help from somebody stronger. But what's our motivation? Right? Our motivation is, so we've seen James is like really blunt about what we do and don't do. But, but what do we do about like getting just some motivation about it and caring, you know? Like, again, some of you are like, I can't believe we're talking about this today, you know? I, I just wonder what our marriages would look like if we started to do what God said to do with our mouths. I, I wonder what our parenting would look like. I wonder what dating relationships could look like. I wonder what the world would see as they look at Christians in our offices and schools as we're at kids as you're hanging out this summer. I just wonder what it would look like if we just said, all right, this whole stoma thing, and these little extensions of stoma, man, they're going to be surrendered to God. So what's the motivation? Paul wrote to Titus, and Titus was a, a missionary. He was a church uh, pastor for a while in Corinth and Crete. And in verse 3 of Titus 3, Paul says this to him. At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Paul's saying, look, Titus, we're all a mess, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you need to know we are all stuck in this thing called sin, right? We're, we're all falling short. We've all done the wrong thing and, and continue to without the intervention of God in our lives. And so he's saying, okay, this is what we do. We, we, we kind of go toward pleasure and we, we do this, that, and the other that, that is against God. And, and today we're talking about going against God and sinning with our mouths specifically. And, I, and, and here's the buildup. But then I love the next verse in verse 4. It says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He saved us. I, I got to do Joan Alicio's funeral this week and be a part of that process of grieving with the Malloys, but sharing the, the good news with the family and friends that were there. And these were the, some of the verses that we looked at. And we looked at, at Joan, who's a, who's a beautiful woman, one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet. And we, we talked about, though, the fact that she's in Jesus' arms, not because of her sweetness, right? But because the Lord's kindness appeared. Just the sweetest lady. You'd want her on the sideline at your baseball game. You'd want her at your concert at school. You want her in the front row at church. Sweetest thing. Encouraging, loving, loving her eyes. But ultimately, it was the Lord who rescued her and saved her. And the same is true for you and me. And this becomes our motivation, right? God's kindness toward me is what motivates how I use my mouth towards others. God's kindness toward me is what motivates how I use my mouth towards others, right? We were enslaved, but now we're saved. We were enslaved to all these passions and desires, but now we're saved. And it says, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And then we get a little description of what God's done for us. 
He saved us, it says. Read this on the screen with me. Through the washing of rebirth. So he washed us and all that stuff and all that regret and all that remorse and all of that guilt and all the condemnation and all of the sin washed us, right? And then it says, renewed us by the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us generously. So like the Holy Spirit's now in our lives and it's not just like a little itty bitty 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 bit of the Holy Spirit. It is this generous, you guys thought I just did that for emphasis. I just couldn't stop saying bitty. Um, this, this emphasis of generosity of the Holy Spirit that's been poured out in our lives. So when you are thinking about, I don't know how to get my mouth under control because no human can, well, it's a great thing that generously the Holy Spirit's been poured into our lives through Christ Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified, so now you're just before God, by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. If you're not a father of Jesus, there's hope for eternal life. I did another funeral yesterday. Suha, Swati Master's mom, another sweet woman who loved the Lord. And she's in the arms of Jesus. And we have that hope of eternal life because of what Jesus did for us. And along with that hope of eternal life, we also get justified and saved and righteous and holy, his peculiar people. So because of that, I'm going to surrender my mouth to him and the extension of my mouth to him. And then look at what Paul says a few verses later in verse 9. Look at what he goes to. Isn't this interesting? We learn about all God's done for us. And just in a few verses later, it says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments. Everybody say arguments. And quarrels. Everybody say quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Everybody say unprofitable and useless. Man. What are all of those things? They're issues that people's stoma gets them in trouble with, right? All the quarreling and the arguing, man. In 2020 and 2021, man, we've had it like never before. My brother-in-law, Will, is a pastor, and we were talking yesterday. Like, thank God, same things that are happening here are happening out in Chicago. Same challenges, same issues that we're all dealing with. Same, uh, it was encouraging just to, to hear it from somebody else yesterday that a pastor in another city, man, that we've all been going through the same stuff where we're divided over the same things. And, and at the end of the day, what Paul told Titus is, I mean, different hot topics of his day, but same issue, unprofitable and useless. People just getting in trouble with our mouths and our typing fingers. You know what peculiar people do? We surrender those to Jesus, right? We surrender them. And it doesn't mean you can't have beliefs or core values. Like That was the whole message last week. We're going to look different than the world around us. But there's got to be a way we keep rallying around the Lord. Verse 10, this is a powerful verse. When a divisive, uh, sorry, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Wow. Some of us have got to get a whole new group of friends if we're going to live by that verse, right? It's like, who do I talk to? Maybe that's the problem, right? Warn them once. So this means someone comes to you and they're like, oh, did you hear about? Yeah, man, they're a mess and this, that, and the other thing. And Okay, what do we do right now? We go, whoa, whoa, no, I'm not going to hear that. Like, we're not going to go there. And then they're like, yeah, but, but I just want to let you know that. No, 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 no not, not just two. Not, I'm just telling you. I don't want to have to have nothing to do with you. But I'm not going to listen. And I'm not going to certainly add to the conversation. He says, then have nothing to do with them. Now, I don't love writing people off. What I love is that people will begin to get a very clear message 
I'm not going to listen to gossip and I'm not going to spread gossip. I'm not going to divide. I'm sure that whatever that person's going through, they have people that love Jesus around them. If they don't, I'll be that person. But I'm not going to sit here and listen to you tear them apart. If they want to talk to me about it, then that's great. And I'd love to pray for them and encourage them. But we're not going to just sit here and talk, right? Man, imagine a church like that. Imagine a community like that. Imagine a family like that. Imagine a friend group like that. I'll tell you what, when you shut somebody down from talking like that, you've just earned their trust, right? Now they know, oh, I can confide in that person because they wouldn't even hear a bad word about so-and-so. And so now I'm going to go to them when I have an issue because I know I can trust that person. So powerful. I want to surround myself with people like that. I want to surround myself with people that are, are going to be life givers and are going to build people up. We're not okay with division. We're not okay with gossip because Jesus gave his life for us. We're his special possession. We cannot look like the world around us. So we've seen today God's peculiar people aren't okay with cursing and impure talk and division and jealousy and gossip. We've got our motivation that Jesus died for us and made us his own. But the question is, how do we do this? If we can't tame our own tongue, then what hope do we have? Where's all this coming from? All right, that's the question we have to ask. Where's all this garbage coming from? The stuff that comes out of my mouth that I've been so focused on and, oh, it slipped out and now I've got to be careful or, oop, I, I lost my temper and I said so-and-so and, man, I can't believe I, I did that again. And where's it coming from? It's not a mouth issue. I want you to say this out loud. I don't just have a mouth issue. There's something else going on, all right? Jesus tells us, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the mouth are, what speaks? Our heart speaks. He says in Matthew 15, 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the what? I want to tell you today, if you have a mouth problem, you have a heart problem, right? If I have a mouth problem, I have a heart problem. This is actually great news that at least we know where the problem is coming from. Because before we were just aiming at nothing. It was just like, I got to get my mouth under control, right? But no, if there's a mouth issue, then there's a heart issue, and now we know where the problem is coming from. My, my wife makes fun of me because she calls me the sound police in our house. If I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and all of a sudden I just hear a sound that I'm not quite like, familiar with, I'm like, what is that? And I like hunt the thing down. I put TV on mute. I'm like, I got a cup by the wall. I'm like, listen, like, what is that? Right? And I figure it out. And it's always something stupid. She's like, it's the dryer. You know, it's like the w- most ridiculous thing that I should have recognized. But I love when I figure out where the problem was coming from. Now I can fix it. I can fi- put the new battery in the smoke detector. I can, you know, put some ant traps in the wall. Whatever I got to do, I can deal with. I don't know how to get them in the wall, but that's another story. I, I can do what I need to deal with because I know where the problem's coming from. And Jesus just told us where the problem's coming from. It's our heart. And so if we curse a lot and we joke around in a perverse way, it's probably because our heart is full of curses and perversion, right? Like we're listening to music that has an F word, F word every other word, or we're watching entertainment, YouTube or TV or whatever it is, that is just full of nudity and, and talk about sex and joking about sex. So of course, that's what's going to come out of our mouth. If we're struggling with gossip, it, it's probably because, man, our heart's broken to the point that Talking about somebody else just makes us feel good for a minute. And so we do it. Some distorted, twisted way. It makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Or our hearts hurt because we were close with so-and-so, but now we, there's been division in that relationship, and, and now we have to 
you know, go ahead and get the person that they're close to now and divide them out. And it's a heart issue. Maybe we scream at our kids because somebody once screamed at us. It's a heart issue. It's not a mouth issue only. And so what do we do? How do we find help with this? Well, I truly believe that if we look at what Ju- uh, I'm sorry, James and, and what Paul said to Titus and what Jesus said, I believe that a key to a pure mouth is a heart filled up with Jesus, right? Now listen, if you have a relationship with him, right, the Holy Spirit, we, we read it, is poured out generously on our lives, right? Jesus is already with us, but I think that at times in our lives, no, we need to invite Jesus in in a fresh way. Jesus, here's my heart. Here's what I've been doing, thinking, thinking about, looking at, listening to, joking about, uh, gossiping about. Here are the issues of my heart. And, you know, a lot of you guys probably have a pool, and you take that, that cover off in, like, May or June, and it's, like, green, right? There's, like, dead things living in there. You don't even want to know. But what do you do? You shock that thing. You turn the what? The filter on. And before you know it, you're ready to jump in and have fun with your friends because that filter has removed the impure things and brought in new life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. And that's what Jesus is doing in our lives, right? Jesus, I'm going to invite you into my heart in a fresh way because right now it's full of perversion. And it's coming out of my mouth. I thought I had a mouth issue, but I realized today I got a heart issue. So would you filter all that out, Holy Spirit? God, I've been so angry and so hurt that I've been gossiping about everybody else. I've been dividing friendships apart because they were divided away from me. I've been screaming at somebody I love because somebody once screamed at me. And these are heart issues. And so, Jesus, I'm going to give you this heart in a new way. And maybe for some of you, Today, it'll be the first day you give him your heart and invite Jesus to do something powerful there. But for you and I, we've got to come to this realization that God's wanting to fill our heart. He cares about the mess. Like, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He cares about the mess. When all of us run away from the mess, Jesus is running toward the mess. I think back to 9-11 when the buildings were coming down and the policemen and the firemen and the EMTs were running toward when everyone else was running away. And Jesus is running toward our mess when everybody else may be running away. And it's safe to invite him in. And the Spirit's been poured out on you and I generously. And so would you invite him in a fresh way to fill up your heart, filter out all that garbage. You don't want that anyway, right? We we realize this. There's nothing in there that Jesus wants to get rid of that at the end of the day you want to hold on to. He wants to bring you and I to a place of freedom. Remember, we were enslaved, but now we're saved. And so next week, I'm praying, here's my prayer for next week, that that your mind will be blown, okay, by the word of God, by what it says about God and sin and you, okay? We're going to look at a concept that I really hope makes you go, oh my gosh. And some of you may be reminded of this concept next Sunday when you come. Maybe it'll be new information for many of you, but I pray we walk out here going, wow. I view my freedom in Jesus in a whole new light. So that's next Sunday. But this week, if we learn to invite Jesus into those places in our heart so that he can heal us and refresh us and fill us in a new way, just be ready to be used as God's special possession. Be ready for people to notice because no one's out there giving life, right? No one's out there giving life. No one's out there typing life. 
It's so rare. And you and I have so much to do. And, and that's what I think, you know, kind of breaks my heart more than anything in this last year where it just feels like the church around the world has been so divided over so many things. It's just how important all that we have to do is. Like we have so much to accomplish. We have so much to do. There's so many that need Jesus. We got a new property up the road that the Lord's going to use mightily. We got to rally around that and see it completed so we can multiply our influence in this community and what God's doing. And it's not just about us, it's about Chicago, it's about all over the world, right? I've got friends I'm texting this morning, pastors, just telling them how proud I am of, of how they led these last 15 months. Because it's not just about Hot Bog, it's about, it's about um, you know, my, my, my buddy Ray over there who, who came and spoke back just like I was back maybe a week or two out of the hospital. He came and just brought the house down, right? It's about Ray's church. It's about Brian's church. It's about Dan's church. It's about my buddy Dan out in the Midwest. Like the Lord has so much to do and all the stuff our stoma gets us in trouble with is useless, produces nothing, doesn't lead us to the life that God has for us. And so I pray we rally around this and we'd be ready to stand out. And you'd be ready to get some questions. Because here's what's going to happen. You are going to have some people look at you and say, why don't you talk like we talk? Why don't you laugh at the things we laugh at? Why don't you tear people down? Why don't you cut the boss down like we do? Why don't you make fun of that professor like the rest of us do? Why are you different? And then you get to say, well, it's because there's this Jesus in my life. And he's filtered a lot of hurt out. He's filtered a lot of pain out. He's helped me realize I'm accepted by him and that I'm righteous and holy and I'm his treasured treasure, his special possession. My wife Kelly, when we were first married, she worked in an office nearby and she was in the accounting department. She would just be working with her friends and, and very quickly they realized she was different. Very quickly they, they began to just like, you know, they'd be gossiping about somebody or laughing at something that was impure. And she just stood out. She just kept living life. And she wasn't like judgmental and she wasn't like screaming at them or hitting them over the head with the Bible. She just loved the Lord in front of them. And she just brought life. And eventually, guess what happened? They asked her, what is with you? You strange person, you. What is... And she got to tell them about Jesus. Next thing they know, their other radio station was flipped off and they got Christian music playing through the whole accounting department now just because Kelly was loving Jesus in front of them. And that's the power in our lives. And the people that turn to us when life falls apart often comes from the integrity that they see in our lives when, when maybe they're even making fun of us for standing up and, and having a different way about us. And in this culture, as the world gets darker, we're going to stand out more as we do what the Lord says. But that's the beauty of it. And I love in Scripture, you see that the more the church was persecuted, the bolder they became, Right? It just kind of kept on uh, falling apart. The enemy's plan was to divide them and shut them up. And man, they just were bold and they loved the Lord and they brought hope and life and, and they just shined all the brighter. And God used them all the more. And our mouths is a huge part of that. And the extension of our mouths is a huge part of that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to think about putting your trust in him today and looking to him as your savior. You heard what he did for you. You heard he got on a cross for you and he rose from the dead. And I'd love for you to think about praying with me in just a minute. But for the rest of us, let's remember this week that the, the key to a pure mouth is a heart filled up with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we invite you into the broken places in our hearts, Lord. We don't just have a mouth problem, we have a heart problem. And God, we're so thankful that you 
view us as your special possession, your treasured treasure. And God, that that's the starting point here. That God, your love for us is great. That you, not because of what we've done, but because of your mercy, your love, your kindness appearing, we're yours and we're saved and we're your kids. And we want to represent you well. I believe the people in this room, the people listening online, they're here today and they're listening today because we really truly love you and we want to represent you well. And so we invite you into those broken places of our heart. And that's what I want you to do now. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you take a minute and get very specific with God and say, God, my heart is deeply impure, if that's true of you. Jesus, would you filter out the impurity? And this is gonna be a conversation you're gonna have to keep having with them. Lord, I'm gonna reinvite you tomorrow and then Tuesday and Wednesday, Lord, I'm just going to keep on inviting you to filter this, this, this junk out of my heart like the pool filter filters out the junk in the pool, Lord. I'm looking for a new life. Maybe for you, it's Jesus. My, my heart is so hurting because of wounds I experienced that I, I talk about people all the time to make myself look better. Jesus, I'm inviting you into that. Jesus, I got screamed at when I was a kid. I got screamed at when I, by my boss a coach, and now I just lose it with people in my life. I'm inviting you into that mess. Jesus, I'm so hurt that that friend has abandoned me, and I've been trying to divide somebody else away, and, and I'm causing a mess. I'm inviting you into that. Life. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, you can pray with me now if you'd like to. I really encourage you to take this step today, believing in him just say something like this quietly to Jesus thank you for running to my mess thank you for your forgiveness thank you that your kindness mercy and love appeared when I was stuck in my sin I ask you to come into my life pour out the Holy Spirit on me generously make me a new person Help me to now live by this truth. The key to a, a pure mouth is a heart full of love for Jesus.